With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are recording this instead of Wednesday night. Uh, we had to do Thursday night. Chris is in the yay area out there for a wedding. Shout out to Idris and Jenny. Congratulations. Uh, but I went golfing yeah. today. There's my golf bag. Oh, There you go. Thanks. But uh, we're recording this during the Field of Dreams game. We got the Yankees playing the White Sox in Iowa. And I was telling Chris, I'm like, hey, you know, this, this is cool. This is pretty cool. I was like, what do you mean this is cool? This is pretty awesome. Well, because uh, I've never seen Field of Dreams, so I have, like, no real connection to this at all. What? So you know how you, you do this this thing all the time where it's, like, if I haven't seen a, a movie or, like, I don't get one of your, like, nerdy references and you're like, what, you haven't seen this? You haven't seen that before? What? How, yeah. what, are you, what are you talking about? That's, like, legitimately, this is the most surprising I've ever been. This is one of the biggest moment of, of one of those before. It's a classic. I don't really care to watch it. Like, it just seems like a very boomer movie. It's just, I just want to be with my dad and play a catch. Like, I just feel it's kind of a boring movie to me. Like, I have little to no interest in, in watching. If they want to watch a baseball movie, there's so many other ones I would rather watch than Field of Dreams. It's just like, I just want to be with my dad. You've, uh, I just want to go with my dad and play you a catch. You saw Scoob when it came out, right? The, like, Scooby-Doo movie, the animation one? Yes. So that seems more interesting to you than Field of Dreams? No, that sucked, too. I just saw that because you we got a free the... screener. Okay. I know. Well, I just don't really. Ca- I just don't really care. Kevin Kevin Costner is kind of like. I feel like all of those movies are kind of vanilla. I don't know. I just seem it's kind of boring. It's just like, and I know the whole. I literally know what the whole movie is about. I know what happens throughout the whole movie, because it's been so like pushed. What into... happens? What's it about? Kevin Costner gets this cornfield, and while he's there, he keeps getting. Uh, the voice telling him that if you build it, when you cut, they will come. So he talk brings in James Earl Jones, and he tells him like, "Oh yeah, this is like a, you know, the haunt of the old field, the old Chicago or the old White Sox or Black Sox, like Shoeless Joe Jackson, all them. They all roam these grounds. So he builds out this baseball field, comes out, and then his dad is actually one of the members who was a part of that team. So when he comes out, he sees his dad, and he's like, "You want to play catch, dad?" And then you just play. It just it's a very you know, so you I mean, know, if that's, you know if people you know, love hold, that movie. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It sounds like you know the key details of the movie, but you don't know anything about what the movie's about. That's not what the movie's about. The movie's about this guy, and, and he's a grown-up in his relationship with his father, which it turns out he doesn't really have much relationship with his father. So the history of baseball brings them together. I'm going to keep it like that, simple as that. But he, you know, it, anyway, it, that that's what it's about and how baseball 
um, in America, and it brings like you know fathers and sons, and or fathers and ch- just children with closer with their with their parents. But if you don't like you know feel good stories, and you don't want to get in touch with your future kids, and fine, yeah, you know don't don't see the movie. I, you know, I guess it won't relate to you very well. See, and I think it's also <laughs> different interpretations of how you grew up with baseball, or like how you you played. <clears throat> It's like, yeah, my dad, like, my dad played baseball, but it wasn't like one of these things like, hey, Pops, let's go. Like, we'll, we'll go watch games together and stuff like that. It wasn't like, you know, go play catch. Yeah. To me, grow, baseball growing up for me was about, like, playing with, like, my siblings and my friends and stuff. So, uh, to me, that's why, like, for our generation, at least for me, dude, Sandlot. Like, if, if they do, if they recreate the Sandlot diamond for another kind of thing... Then I'll fly out there for it. Like that looks, that would be amazing because it's like that's me. It's, well, like, yeah, it's not. A, it's not a competition up. about wh- which baseball movie's better, which you relate to. I mean, it's just a good baseball movie. So you're kind of giving bullshit reasons why not to see it. it you're, you're you're trying to you you went up on this hill on I'm this hill. Like, which I is don't like care a, to watch it. If if I'm somewhere, I'm like, hey, we're gonna put this on. Sure, but like, I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it. You went up on this hill, which is like a total Zoomer hill, and you refused to get down from it. That's really what I'm hearing right now. It's a great movie. I would recommend watching it, and I think that it's going to change your mind a little bit. It's just like, I don't, I, I don't really care. If it's on, and I'm with somebody, and he's like, hey, you've never seen this, you should watch it? Sure, but I'm not going to put it on my movie list or go out of my way to watch it. So I don't really, I got a good, I got a good. I was gonna say I've got a great relationship with my dad. So you're never allowed to. <laughs> well, um, you're never allowed to judge anybody anymore for the rest of your life for them not watching a movie then because of this. Oh, I'm exact still going to conversation right now. I'm still going to. I just met somebody who's never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm like, come on. This this would be a great episode for your podcast of the movie podcast that you've yes. never seen. Yeah, no, yeah. because I already told you what my my what movie is going to be for me. Oh, Die Hard. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Die Hard. Come on, that's a huge one. That'll yeah. Be. Anyway, yeah. we're rambling. We could talk about this all day. Uh, welcome. Hi, everybody. Town Tailgate, part of the Around the Diamond Network. Make sure to go give them a follow on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you're at. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, on the wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Music, uh, or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. I'm Julio. There's my good friend, Chris. In the What's up? How's, it, how's San Ramon treating you? Have you seen any A's? Actually, no, they're away, but... No, I have not. Um, do a lot of them live here? Is that like a thing? Yeah. Um, I've learned over the years a lot of ace players will either live in Walnut Creek mm-hmm. or the San Ramon, Dublin, Pleasanton area. And We actually, went golfing today. Mm-hmm. And uh, like every house... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard the Warriors thing, but, I mean, Wanna Creek is just really nice. It's just, I feel like a lot of athletes in general and families live there. But um, we went golfing today, and all the houses that were on the um, the golf course were just, like, super fucking nice, beautiful backyards, like, probably worth, like, $3 million at least. It, so it doesn't surprise me that they live out here. Actually, one of my favorite stories, we're going to talk about them a little bit later, but I'll always remember... I went with my brother, Elias, and my sister-in-law, Jennifer. They used to live in Do- uh, Dublin. <clears throat> and my brother and I went to Best Buy, and, and she went into, like, um, Bed Bath & Beyond or somewhere. And she's like, she calls Elias from the store. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, you guys need to come over to Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm like, what? I'm like, what's going on? She's like, Ray Fossey's here. <laughs> so, like, we walked over there, 
And then like he and we see him like walking out of the store, like right mm-hmm. next to him. And she's like right behind him and she's like, It's Fozzy. <laughs> like whispering. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk more. Uh why did she feel of, the need to whisper? She, she just I don't, like, I, really... I don't think she just wanted to to bug him, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I dig it. I dig that. Probably a respectful thing to do. Uh, yeah, I know a few people who have like ran into like Grant Balfour or like, I mean, this is complete opposites of fame. But Steph Curry and they're just like, no, let's not bother him. Let's leave him alone. Anyway, so this week we're going to be talking about uh, the USA had uh, success at the Olympics. Um, some interesting uh, potential partnership that Major League Baseball is talking about doing with a specific uh, niche sports uh, media company. Um, a little bit more um, uh, controversy on the race side of of uh, you know life or not, um, and of course um, some A's baseball. Um, very successful road trip or not road trip? A very successful uh, little um, you know fifteen game stand. Um, we're going to go through all that. But first, Julio, let's celebrate this Team USA and the Olympics. Look, they unfortunately didn't come home with the gold, but they came home with the silver. The fact that they are in the championship game, um, I would say, is a very uh, good thing. The last time the Team USA went to the Olympics, they didn't even medal. They barely they got into the quarterfinal. They lost the first round. So great job, guys. You really represented well. Nick Allen did a great job over there. Really good, some good um, – experience in uh for with competitive major league uh level uh baseball he's come back to um the las vegas uh aviators and he's actually been play, playing really well which has been really cool um but the big thing that with that team julio was they they you know they just couldn't put runs on the board they had amazing pitching dominating pitching the entire olympics but they just struggled to put runs on the board and that was the case in the gold medal game they lost two to zero they could not put together a single run in the gold medal game which is depressing but you know still happy great job guys yeah it definitely was a good thing for guys like nick allen uh i can't remember any of the other prospects off the top of my head but also well tyler austin who was like the star of their team he hit like four home or three or four home runs to all tournament he was amazing i think he's going to be special in 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 the league but also all the veterans it sounds like some of these guys may be getting a second shot i know edwin jackson kind of put out saying he still wants to pitch Scott Casimir was freaking lights out this whole time. Dude. He, was with, he was with Giants cap beginning of the season, so hopefully mm-hmm. he gets another chance to keep pitching. But at the end of the day, you're playing the host country. Japan won gold. Japan won gold for so- baseball and softball, and the U.S. Yeah. was silver in both. They're, you're, they're really kind of playing with house money in a couple cents, so they were because of, one, well, they're the home country. Even if there's no crowd, you kind of, you've played these fields. You know how these things work. And two... They're more used to the international ball than these players were. And I think mm-hmm. over time, I remember when I was in in Japan for the A's uh, Nippon Ham Fighters game, that they actually used the Japanese ball for that specific game. And that yeah. one of the things about the ball was it's, it was it's a smaller ball than the standard MLB size ball. And that they're like, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like advantage for the Japanese team because like they know how to hit these kind of things, even though the A's like rocked them in the mm. exhibition game. But like, I'd imagine that was probably a big difference for this one either way. man. Uh, but, but Julio also the, the Japan league took an Olympic break. So their best players of their league, um, like their home, the country 
you know, besides obviously like the players in, in uh, America, like, um, like Shohei Otani, um, but them in Korea, they took the Olympic breaks. So they were allowed to like send their like a squad, whereas MLB wasn't able to do that. Yeah. Masahiro Tanaka was out there. Former yeah. Yankee. Great. Shout out to our dude to the four train. But still, the fact that they the U.S. tilted against a very still a very potent Dominican Republic team, uh, the Puerto Rican uh, Puerto Rican team's only playing some talent out there, and uh, you got look, you got to feel happy about it. It's you're not going to get gold in everything, and I think just meddling is a big step in the right direction. There is not going to be baseball at this next Olympics, which is going to be kind of a bummer, but there will be one in uh, 2020. Is that confirmed? Los Angeles. Yeah, they're not going to be um, having. Because they're going to be doing breakdancing. That's right. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe I was, you know, the ride the wave arm thing is kind of a breakdance move. So I'm thinking whoever is the best for the A's, they could just send them to be a part of the breakdance team. I was listening to I'm not, like, I'm going to make. I was going to say. Listening... I, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, I was like, even though I think this is actually going to be hella entertaining to watch if we got some like crazy ass breakdancers. I look if it's on the Olympics, I will probably like if it's on primetime, I'll probably watch it. But am I going to go out of my way to watch it? No. Um, I was listening to an episode of ESPN Daily where um, he had Jeremy Schapp on, who's been covering the Olympics for thirty years. He's gone to like a bu- like twenty Olympics or something like that. And um, they were him and Pablo were talking about it, and he, and Jeremy Schapp's kind of a boomer in the sense of like the Olympics, where he's like, I only want the traditional sports, like. Um, like I wasn't like super happy when they brought in skateboarding, and then he asked him, "Was like, well, what do you think about uh, break dancing in the next Olympics?" He goes, "I'm just not gonna give you an answer to that question." <laughs> like it was just, it was oh so, god, it was so funny. Did you have a uh, favorite sport to watch throughout? The Olympics are officially over. The U.S. had the oh, final yeah. medal count for gold and total medal, so yeah. you know USA would it do? Uh, but was there one that you were like every time it was on? You're like. Well, I, I'm shocked I'm watching this every single time, but I'm, I'm here. Are you saying, like, obscure sport or just sport in general? I would say more obscure side because, of course, we're going to watch basketball. Of course, we're going to watch baseball. Yeah, because like, mine is going to be basketball. Gym- I would say yeah. track, gymnastics. We're going to watch those because it's, like, yeah. you know, the 20th century. Because for me, uh, I was watching a ton of ping pong. Super entertaining. Nice. Loved yeah. watching it. That's right. Uh, you were texting me about it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Doubles I, I, ping I pong love- is on. I love playing ping pong. So, like, yeah. uh, it was cool to kind of watch it like a high level about that is anything for you synchronized Uh, no uh handball i love handball i wish that was a sport a bigger sport in in america i would totally play it um so mostly that and america didn't have a team in in uh, the handball tournament but i would still i still watch it it was dope um let's move on julio uh, so the next big story, uh, you may have heard this if you uh, are big in the baseball community, but uh, Major League Baseball is um, talking with um, Barstool Sports about them uh, broadcasting games and um, them having a broadcast team to um, commentate games. Um, this has gotten, this has been very polarizing on um, MLB Twitter and, and on the online community. Uh, because baseball or because, sorry, not baseball, uh, Barstool, if you don't know what it is, has a, is a sports media company that, um, is more, um, humor, um, and, and, um, in regards to, um, 
sports, they take that angle, but in more specifically, uh, kind of frat humor. So misogynistic humor. Um, they also have a pretty, um, long, um, history of being, uh, sex or, uh, yeah, uh, we are, we just said that, uh, racist. Um, but, um, you know, kind of like the classic, um, uh, systemic racism. <laughs> so like subtle racism. Um, so, you know, many people, June Lee has been one, for example, who, um, criticized, uh, this when the announcement came out because the one, the two audiences that the, that major league baseball is not doing well with and they're trying to grow. And they've actually had some success the past year, um, is, um, you know, um, the inner city and women. Um, and if you make this move, that's, those are the two fan groups that you're going to kind of isolate and offend. Um, Julio, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on this being a very woke person as well, but, um, yeah, yeah great. Thanks. Um, we both are, yeah. we both are Julio. Let's, let's yeah. face it. The audience already knows anyway. So uh, look, I'll say this straight up is that I, I, some of the, the barstool baseball stuff they do is pretty good stuff. I, 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 from time to time, I've been listening to starting nine with Dallas and Jared Carabas and like, they know their stuff and they're entertaining all this stuff. And like, do. I, I don't, I don't doubt that. I think they would put in the right people to get these things, have good like stuff without having to kind of alienate people. But the problem is that like in 2020, the our MLB put out a report that viewership in women grew 80% that year. Mm-hmm. In this last all-star break, we just, we kind of talked about it. You put out a report about, um, or they MLB donated to the players union or the, not the players, union, the players Alliance to kind of help expand and grow. And there's a home run into the cornfield, Brett Garner. God, that guy's, uh, to help grow and expand the game. And, uh, Is it on Fox under, or FS1? It's on Fox. Uh, help grow and expand the game in underrepresented communities. Huge donation, the biggest that's ever happened in baseball. So great, they're going in the right path. But then these reports of aligning themselves with not necessarily the Dallas and, and Jareds of the world, but just Dave Portnoy, who has a history of extreme misogyny. He has a history of anti-union when people at Barstool said that they were looking to unionize in the midst of a lot of these Oh, hold on, Julio. Anti-union, anti-union is not misogyny and is not racism. No, but still, no, it's not. But I'm saying, like, you ruined my point. God damn it! I know. Well, I'm just saying, like, like anti-union. That's just a a, a billionaire business owner. No, I'm just gonna say not want to deal with unions. That's every that's every CEO in the country. This dude's a gigantic piece of shit. Yeah, Dave Portnoy is like, he's a good businessman, of course. But just that, because but you're yeah. a good businessman doesn't mean you're the piece of shit. Yeah, there's multiple clips of him, like, comparing uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick to, like, Middle Eastern terrorists, of him dropping the N-word consistently throughout interviews, of just putting down women, and then people, and some of the bar, the barstool bros on Twitter, look, I'm just going to avoid those conversations at all with our Twitter accounts. Don't want to deal with it, but a lot of people are saying, like, oh, well, they're having more women podcasters and all this stuff well great uh can you tell me the kind of demographic of women that you're having they're going to be doing these shows and can you tell me they're still the demographic of the men like there's no diversity included in with it in with it now look you come at me and say oh you're just a smoke all this stuff 
And at the end of the day, I work for a very big business in that when you have diversity there, it makes your company exceedingly better because you hear different viewpoints from all walks of life. And that is for every single, every single company will become a bigger, better company because if you bring somebody in who doesn't have the same ex- level of, or the same upbringing as you did, and the person next to you doesn't the same, so on and so forth, you're going to get the best minds possible out of that. So when people try to kind of bring that argument for Barstool, I'm like, I don't think that's true. The real problem is that, look, if you're trying to grow the game of baseball, lift blackouts. I tweeted earlier today with the Field of Dreams game going on. Like, this is great, but guess what? People in Iowa still can't watch Cardinal games, Cubs games, White Sox games, Brewers games, Twins games, and Royals games because of MLB blockouts. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you straight up, if you lift those blockouts or at least put a little bit more of a a rule behind it, ratings will skyrocket. Oh, but Julio, do they do the same thing for NBA League Pass? Well, guess what? NBA is way more accessible because... Unlike baseball, NBA will actually show more small market teams consistently on ESPN and TNT. How often do you see the Utah Jazz playing on national TV? How often do you see the the Bucks before championship? But like, they do a better job of marking the small teams. Whereas every time it's in tune into Sunday Night Baseball, oh, it's Yankees, Yankees Red, Red Sox, Sox. Phillies, yeah. Mets, Dodgers, Giants. There's like more. There's more teams than like. There's more than eight teams in baseball. When was the last time the A's have hosted Sunday night baseball? When was the last time but, the Rays have Sunday hosted Sunday night baseball? So it's like another better another ways big, to grow the game than barstool. Another big issue with specifically the blackouts, Julio, is that uh, with the NBA, and it might be because of the time of the games, it's a little bit easier. But they show two games, national games, a night, seven days a week. You know, well, actually, no. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, they only play one national game. But um, it's two games a night, so you're getting more exposure to different teams and different matchups. Look, I'll say this. Barstool has been doing a little bit better in terms of on the women's side, I would say. You know, like they have like that really big podcast, the, the Call Her Daddy podcast. But that podcast specifically is, you know... I wouldn't necessarily that's like say that's women empowerment. I mean, who am I to judge? Like, you know, if women like that stuff and it's pretty much just like a sex podcast um, talking about stuff like that, the women's side of like dating and sex like and stuff like that, that's all good and dandy. Like, if you like that podcast, great. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily empowering women because, you know, there's not like a women's baseball podcast on the Barstool Network. Um yeah, I love Dallas and those guys. Um, you know, they they have a podcast with Barstool, but they don't work for Barstool, so I don't necessarily like put them in the same boat as Barstool. Um, I think that part of my take has gotten a lot better as well. Um, that has always been like frat humor, but at a, like kind of like a respectable level. Um, but I don't know. A lot of their like Twitter trolls and like you know writers that they have there, it's very offensive humor uh, most of the time. And don't get me wrong. I do chuckle at it <laughs> sometimes, but it doesn't mean that it's like good for the game. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I remember last year, I think it was specific. They, uh, a report came out specifically for the A's though. They were, um, doing well, well with, um, with, um, um, capturing audience from 18 to 35. Um, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's something about um, the team in itself and the diversity of that team kind of had 
that related to the audience that they're not trying to capture. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're trying to to get um, minorities, more minorities to watch baseball, this is not the move to do it because it's you know Portnoy's just going to say offensive stuff on the broadcast and it's just going to piss people off even more. And you know, look, no company is perfect. Uh, I think ESPN, you know, ESPN is a completely different company than it was five, ten years ago. And I think they've, that's somebody you can say, look, they've actually improved when it comes to diversity and inclusion in their place. Because if you think about it, some of the best personalities they have are from people of color from across different spectrums. Um, and, and it has kind of growing. <clears throat> you know, you listen to The Daily every single day and it's hosted by Pablo Torre. And he's like one of the best people on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So it just shows you like that stuff's important. But I get to, to well, like, I think it's a bad idea. There's better outlets. There's better ways. Frankly, I'd be like, yo, Netflix, we, you can start streaming sports. We'll be the first one to do it. You know, we know you have all the money in the world because you put it on Netflix, people are going to watch it. And plus, Netflix kind of needs it because they've kind of been tanking. But you, you, uh, you know what, Julio? Honestly, I don't think that they that Major League Baseball has any intention on actually doing it. I think that there was a very small preliminary talk with Portnoy and Rob Manfred, and Portnoy leaked that because any any exposure, any um, press for Barstool or anything like that is good press. It gets people talking about it. Look at us; we're talking about it right now on our podcast. It's good. I don't think they. I don't think they have any intention on doing it. I don't think that that Barstool has any intention on, on following up with it. I think that they just want you know the headlines, which is that sounds like classic Barstool you know way of operation operating. It, it's very good shock jock kind of kind of attention. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to bring up to kind of really show you who Barstool is is uh, last Sunday, if you remember, a fan ran on the field of Dodger Stadium. Well, the fan was trying to get back into the stands. The ball grown right clocked him, like checked him over the stands. And then Barstool did, a, you know, found out more about this girl and they put out a piece. And they're like, the ball girl in right who clocked the fan is actually a smoke show. I'm like, come on. Like, look, you can. I think there's nothing wrong with kind of complimenting somebody's attract, like attraction to like your friends or something but like when you just put out there I'm like dude that's weird it's creepy it's inappropriate yeah you're like asking like like creepy like 21 year old frat boys to now just follow her and stalk her and d- and, and like just yeah on, on and you know Instagram. it was probably some like chubby dude from like the suburbs of Philadelphia who wrote it it's like oh it's a good one went to Villanova yeah. anyways I'm tired of these guys I, I, I don't think it's gonna happen but anyways last topic yeah. kind of along the same lines uh this is, could have been a lot worse than it actually was. During this Sunday's was legitimate. Match, look, I'm not gonna lie. This was legitimate <laughs> funny. Like I laughed so hard it, out loud. It's, in retrospective, it's pretty funny. But uh, Sunday during uh, action-packed Miami Marlins Colorado Rockies game, uh, Lewis Brinson was up to bat. He's a out, young outfielder for the Marlins. He is an African American man, and audio from the game picked up a fan yelling the n-word at him and initially or so or so ken rosenthal thought a lot of people thought and a lot of players are going on twitter and being like but it didn't get attention until ken rosenthal tweeted it out there yeah and it blew up on twitter over the next 24 hours like oh things haven't changed players were saying like this guy needs to be banned for life fans are getting off of this like oh of course in denver yada 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 
So the team does an investigation, and they looked into it, and they determined that they looked in extra footage that the fan in question was yelling Dinger, the mascot's name for the Colorado Rockies because he was a section over. So they showed a fullback footage, and they showed the said fan trying to wave to him yelling, Dinger! Dinger! And you can see the you can see the guy waving. And you can see Dinger right there. So everybody kind of put an apology. Thankfully, this guy's name was not put into public because that would have been bad. But uh, we're going to keep this lighthearted. And let's say hypothetically, they had to change the Rockies mascot team name, Dinger, who was born out of a dinosaur egg. And submerged out of said egg on the opening day for the Colorado Rockies back in 1995 or four, whenever they debuted. It's really know, weird. How do you it's know a, all the history to the mascot? Just look it up because there's a whole thing. If if you look at like early 90s of sports, mm-hmm. of like people's fascination with dinosaurs because of Jurassic Park. That's why the Toronto Raptors <clears throat> got their name because it was up to a fan vote, and they voted the Raptors because Jurassic Park was like the biggest movie in the world at that time. <laughs> So, Chris, I already have mine set up. If you'd like me to go first, what would your on what would your new hypothetical mascot name be for the Rockies to prevent this ever happening again? I'm not even allowed to touch on this before you ask me this question, so I have to. So I, <laughs> sure, no, it could touch. Yeah, sure. I, I just I don't know how much we can say about it, but I just think it's kind of funny. Look, man, if you watch the video, he's clearly, like, waving and gesturing over the mascot and, like, trying to get the mascot's attention, which he's not getting. Um, look, it, it sounds like – I forgot – what's the player's name again? Uh, Lewis Brinson. Lewis Brinson doesn't believe it. He thinks that it was something racist. I – look, man, I hear you, but I, I think the evidence clearly points that um, it was a misinterpretation. Um, Levitard – Mike Ryan from Levitard, Dan Levitard show, uh, said something pretty f- funny and actually kind of like eye opening about the situation is that like, look, modern day racists aren't this blatantly racist. Like this isn't like the 1920s where they're just like out there in public just yelling at the top of their lungs. Except it's at just, Utah Jazz games. Sure, it's just a little bit more. It's a little more subtle racism where it's you know where it's just like it's part of their their like just the way they see the world um so that probably should have been the first sign um but uh yeah this was honestly when 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 julio first told me about it because i'm not as active on twitter um he sent it to me in blocks through the message so the first block was like the thing about you know what ken rosenthal sent and i was like what this is insane like fuck this guy and then you sent me the second block and i was like there's no fucking way this is real. And then I Googled it and I'm like, oh my God, this is real. And I just started dying laughing. Like, wow, like Twitter trolls really took this so out of proportion. Rightfully so because it's racism. But like, it, it's it's pretty fucking funny. I'm not going to lie. So if I had to change it to the name, um, the Silver Bullets. No, no. So the mascot would be the Silver Bullet. Yeah. And Coors Light could sponsor it. Or Coors. Oh, Coors is already filled. Uh, yeah. Mine would be a uh, Helton <clears throat> to honor the greatest Rocky of all time, Todd Helton, or just call him Todd. That's kind of lame, dude. 
So is the silver bullet. Oh, here comes our guy. The, the mascot, the silver Hell bullet. Hell yeah, bro. The silver bullet? I just, I just, just, light. I, I just thought of, like, I think you should leave. Oh, here comes Harley Bar Jarvis. <laughs> okay. Fuck you, Barley Jarvis. I hope you die. <laughs> I need to watch season two so badly. All right, Julio. Um... Look, I get it, Todd Helton. That's cool, but oh, like, I mean, two, that's okay, I'm gonna do 30 there's seconds. no creativity. No creativity yeah. of like the the state of Colorado in there. It's just one player about the specific baseball team. But go ahead. I think I haven't been to Colorado, but I think Colorado would be pretty cool. I want to go. I want to visit really bad. Colorado's dope. You need to Shout go out to, to Colorado. I know, but uh, yeah, that's my. Anyways, before we head on to the last, you thing, said you wanted 30 seconds. There you go. Oh, oh, I thought we we're gonna talk about this next player, uh, and a little add-on big three. Um, after retirement, Chris Davis, not Chris with the K, but Chris, the C, uh, who's been paid fat money for the last five mm-hmm. years of the Orioles. Everybody remembers him for that, but let's not forget there was a good three, four year span. Where he was arguably five years, maybe the best power best hitter in it. baseball. Yeah. Best yeah like baseball, most sure. fear, like those early 2010s, uh, Oriole teams with like JJ Hardy. That Oriole team uh, was good, man. They went to the ALCS. One of them, Chris Davis, Manny Machado. Brian Roberts, Adam Jones, Adam Jones, dude, they were sick. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a big part of that team. So, you know, congrats on retirement uh, and you're still getting paid. So good for you, man. Good job, buddy. Um, All right, let's go on to the A's news. Uh, We're going to start this off um, with a little, you know, everybody knows this, but it's a little sad, but uh, um We'll start somber and then we'll uh, we'll pick it back up. Um, Ray Fossey um, has been fighting cancer for 16 years, which um, not almost nobody knew about, which is pretty um, crazy to hear that. Um, so last week, randomly, um, he it was announced. I think like two hours before the game, too, and he had been out um, of the booth for about a week. Then it and um, Dallas was on vacation, so you know different people were filling in. Um, Dontrell Willis did a few games. Shooty Babbitt did a few games. And it was kind of weird. Everybody was kind of wondering what was going on. And we were like, oh, maybe they just overlap vacation days. And then Dallas comes back and um, they drop this bomb that he um, – his cancer has gotten a little too um, too much for him. And, and um, he can't broadcast games anymore. So he walked – he stepped away and he's, he's retired. Um, so it's pretty sad under these circumstances. I think, Julio, we all kind of saw this coming though. I think I don't know if necessarily, um, uh, you know, like Dallas and Glenn and the producers um, knew about it, but I think the A's definitely knew about it because for the past 16 years they've been bringing in guys to be like the third broadcaster. You know, it started with Scott Hatterberg, who was great, uh, but you know he got a job in the front office, and you know that kind of took priority, and then. Eric Chavez came in, who I didn't think was very good, and Shooty's done some games. And Mark, Mark Mulder. Mulder came in; he did pretty good. Um, but they've been kind of circling in these guys, and you know, it all kind of like pointed to like, oh, maybe maybe Ray's retiring soon. And eventually, they landed on Dallas, and they, Dallas is amazing. So he, you know, they he's their full time guy now. But um, it kind of all makes sense now. Like you know, he you know that's when the cancer hit, so he probably let the A's know like, hey, I don't have much time left. Like let's 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 find a replacement, but yeah, it's um it's it's pretty sad. Guy's a future yeah. Hall of Famer, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah it's pretty horrible. And I think for us, for uh, you know, I think for 
millennials, Gen X people, you're more or less raised in baseball by Fosse. You know, yeah. he's been doing eight. There's footage of him at the 89 World Series being kind of like the MC of the night um, of the, the parade. So, like, yeah, the guy's been kind of more or less helped raise us in baseball. So it's awful. It's it's so sad. We're, you know, we, we got to be optimistic about it. The guy, and there, look, it makes sense that he's hidden this for so long because, like, he's a catcher. The guy's been through, so, in his professional playing career, the guy's been through so much. He could have been a Hall of Fame player if mm-hmm. Pete Rose didn't truck him at home. Um, obviously, that changed the trajectory of everything because he ended up in Oakland and he helped win a World Series uh, yeah. in 73, 74. But, like, it's like what could have been uh, with his playing career. But it's, it's yeah, it's really it's horrible. It's sad. Um, I don't want to think about or talk about like, Oh, who's going to come and fill in kind of thing. Cause it's just like, I just want to respect the, you know, kind of go what we have going on now, even though it was pretty sad. I was getting sad today watching the game. Cause you know, 17, Oh, kicked the crap out of the, uh, Cleveland. And there was multiple times where I could have just heard Fossey just going like, <laughs> Just like laughing of like mm-hmm. hitting Mitch Moreland, just hitting a couple bombs and seeing his whole team getting washed by his his team that really adopted him in the A's. Um, but it's it's going to be tough to not have him in the broadcast because I think the you know, on top of just like you know, his unnecessary uh addiction to sweets. And just constantly having to have some eclairs and and, and, and his, Glenn constantly making fun of him for yeah. his addiction to sweets. Yeah, and just always bringing and talking about the Junior Mitts minis and his dipping dots and all that. Um, it's just the the history, the stories that come out of him because he's he that guy's seen everything over his he's been around professional baseball for fifty plus years, so he's seen some shit, and that's something I think. We're going to be missing for a while with the current broadcast. Mm-hmm. I think with radio, radio will be fine as long as Korak's going to be pushing that. There, you're going to be hearing all the stories, all the kind of old anecdotes through that broadcast. But with with play, with TV play by play, I think we're going to be seeing some struggling a little bit. And you just got to feel for obviously, you know, Ray's family, everybody. They're on our thoughts, but just poor Glenn Kiefer, man. His brother's yeah. Shana Rubin Shana Rubin did a profile on him recently. I didn't read it, but um, because I don't have a San Jose Mercury um subscription, but um, they talked. She talked with him about how his brother has cancer, and now his his partner of twenty years has cancer, and how it's like kind of affecting his life and stuff like that. So it's pretty crazy to think about it that way. I mean, look, I I know you don't want to talk about, it, but I will because I like talking about these things. Um. You know, yesterday or two days ago on the broadcast, they showed Dallas's old chair down by um, behind the plate, and they showed that all of his stuff is gone. So um, I think that's a sign that Ray's um, stepped away for good, um, and Dallas is going to be up in the booth, which I like those two together. I mean, I, you brought it to my attention yesterday. I was pretty shocked by that, that people don't like Dallas. This is news to me. I love Dallas. Everything about Dallas is his flair, his vibrance. Um, but you know, it's going to get some getting used to. It doesn't quite have the chemistry that Ray and Glenn did, but, um, 
but yeah, it's just uh, it, it'll you know, back to Fosse it, itself. It's just a bummer. It's a bummer, and you know, I hope that you know if cancer gets bad, I would hope that Major League Baseball would induct him, give him the the Arthur P. Frick Award um, before he passes, so that he could be alive to see himself go into the Hall of Fame because he will. It's it's likely going to happen. He's been a broadcaster for forty years. It's typically how it goes. Put in your dues. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Ray, I, you know, you're not listening, but he's with our thoughts. It's just, you know, a lot of burden, a lot of pressure on this team. We got to win. They got to win for Ray. Got to win for Dick Callahan, mm-hmm. Steve Vucevic's final year. It's really just a massive changing of the guard in Oakland in terms of kind of these back of house guys who've been a part of this organization for so long. So, yeah, let's go. Let's go win for those guys, boys. All right, let's get to more sad news. Ramon Liriano suspended for 80 games. I was, was going to say, like, Julio, are you going to go positive? Are you going to you know, push that ah, one down the rundown and go positive and then go negative again, or should nah, we just we're go s- negative? Let's step on your throats, everybody. Ramon Liriano suspended for 80 games without pay for testing positive for an Dolorin, a I butcher the name, but it's a performance-enhancing substance, a violation of Major League Baseball's Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program. Suspension starts immediately. He will miss the rest of the season. If the A's do make the postseason, he will not be playing in the postseason. And he probably won't be back until uh, I don't have the math in front of me. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But it looks like he's not going to be back until at least uh, May, June of next year. What, are you, what is he doing, man? What you, you know? What better off? Yeah. What is the what is the training staff in Oakland doing? Because this is two guys in the past three years that this has been an issue with Frankie Montas a few years ago. And um, Bartolo, oh, not not recent, but Bartolo Colon, too. Two thousand twelve, yeah, twelve. <clears throat> um, but I'm just mean like as of recent. Like, what the fuck is the training staff doing? You don't know what these guys are doing with their bodies. Like, why aren't they talking with their personal trainers? Like, why why aren't they like? testing him for these things in house before they go and do i just like what the fuck is going on man like this is a major blow to this team and look we've been have thank god thank fucking god we made the moves that we did for starling Marte and josh harrison otherwise we'd be fucked right now but it i mean what i don't just what the fuck is going on i i um, we'll show the results of the polls later but i put out a poll um with ramon gone how should the outfield go should it be uh, Canna and left and Harrison um, or or Prescotti and right or should it be Harrison and left Canna and right it looks like Harrison and Kemp have kind of been splitting time in left field Harrison can play right but he doesn't have a strong arm as Canada so Canna will probably play more right field um, and look they've been figuring it out and uh, Josh Harrison and and Tony Kemp have been playing amazing out there in the outfield um, they've been hitting pretty well as well um Seth Brown has been playing really well. He had a nice home run yesterday. Um, so they've been figuring it out. But I just don't know if it's, this is sustainable for and for the, the playoffs. Like, he was our second best player, arguably our second best player on this team. And he's out. I know Julio doesn't feel the same way. He, but Julio's always trying to, like, play, like, like you're going to touch on this right now probably. But you're always kind of playing the, um, the uh, look on the bright side type of, like, like mode but i i don't seem i couldn't see much bright side to this when it happened that day i there just wasn't i was just fucking pissed well look on the bright side chris uh chad pender is going to be starting rehab uh within the next week or so that's good here hopefully 
you know, I don't look. I don't think his bat's going to replace Ramones. But he hasn't been I, to me. And I was trying to talk you through this, but we were just so angry at them in the moment mm-hmm. that I think there are going to be some guys that will be comparable combined to kind of replace Ramon in that sense. Uh, you know, I think Josh Harrison's bat will probably be just as good, if not better than Ramon's. If Pinder will be back by the end of the month, early September, I think having that arm in the outfield will be really helpful as well. But it, it, it just sucks. I think you lost a little bit of fire with this team. It was pretty funny. I had my, um, I was wearing my A starters jacket throughout the weekend in the Bay Area. And when I was in San Francisco, one, I got like 10 compliments that night when I was with the, wearing the jacket. It was fantastic. <laughs> that jacket is dope, dude. I, I love that jacket. <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to Roswell Flea Market for that come up. But two, um, some guy was like, dude, what the hell is going on with Ramon? Why did he get suspended? And I joked, I'm like, well, we know why he was so angry all the time because he was void raging. <laughs> It was just all void raged out. The guy was just, that's why he was just always mad. But, uh, yeah, look, I, that I, makes, that makes so much sense. Yeah. But, um, but like real talk, I think, <laughs> I, I think that it makes me feel a little bit more optimistic is unfortunately this team has had to go through this before and yeah. that they're very much, I think Bowmel does a really good job of this, the next man up mentality. Where it's like, you you know, cool, he's going to be out. But it's like, we're going to have... And look, he's been out for a week now, and they haven't lost a game since then. Not saying that like, oh, look, they can still do without him. But it's like, they can still find ways to produce without like one of their best players. Um, but it's it sucks. At the end of the day, it sucks. I, I, ho- I, I think they're still going to be a, a contending. They look like a freaking contender right now, but... Um, I, I believe this team's still even without him right now. So, look, you know, Piscani and Brown, you know, it is what it is. They've been about the same, hitting around 200. Um, but, you know, Josh Harrison, when we got him, he was hitting 294. He's still hitting 294, and he's gotten a lot of at-bats. That's a good sign. Tony Kemp hitting 255, and he's still diving all over the field, uh, making plays. Um, we don't have to worry about center, obviously. We got Starlin Marte hitting 326, and he's starting to get used to um, the ground out there in Oakland, you could tell. Um, so he's playing a lot better. Um, we'll be fine. Um, I'm just worried about the fir- the main worry to me was about the playoffs and how that lineup is going to handle itself um, without him. Uh, but, you know, on the bright side, it seems to be doing fine. So Julio, at that note, um, you know, we got a nice little win streak going, uh, uh, but uh, we could use some more arms in the bullpen. Uh, AJ Puck has just been called Uh-oh. up. Oh, look at that. Puck, yeah. And he's looked <laughs> awesome. He's looked so good yeah. in his, you know, it's only been two outings, but the, he looks like a completely different guy from and what dude, we saw. He, this. he deserves it. In Las Vegas, he was killing it. He was absolutely killing it. Uh, I forgot. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I want to say it was like 19 innings and only six hits allowed. Like he was, he deserves to be called up. Yeah, and uh, actually, shout out to our dude, Mr. Alex Espinoza, Rick Anderson of Blogs. He put out a pretty solid video of um, com- comparing his arm angle to the beginning of the year when he was pitching a little bit. I think he pitched like that first series against the Dodgers, mm-hmm. compared to his arm angle now 
and he's actually dropped his arm angle a couple inches, like a pretty significant margin. If you seeing the bear, the video side by side or overlapped with each other to it's like, he's really getting the most out of every single pitch out there. And it, yeah. he just looks so effortless. Uh, his first three if it's pitches, better on his elbow. It probably, it, you know, I'm not a, a kinesiologist or anything like that, but it probably yeah. is. I'd imagine you just, yeah. For somebody that tall, just the amount of pressure that was going into that on his shoulder too, if you think about it. Yeah. But, um, his first three pitches out of the pen was like 97, 98, 98. And then he, he throws in his slider at 85. If that guy can hit, if he, if he can pitch like this, and that's the biggest if, because we, we saw what he, him and Lozardo initially did when they were called up in end of August, September, a couple years ago. And we we're like, oh man, but they were kind of, there was, he was a little more inconsistent. Lozardo was kind of the one who was, more even keel but if he can hold that up in that bullpen where i think one of the biggest things we can both agree on this they've been lacking is just velocity back there the hardest throwing guy is deepman and he's he's still having some issues at least with control he's been better as of late but that's still his big thing man this could be a major boost and it kind of explains why they didn't make another arm move yeah yeah um, on that note, someone had, did have to go down. Um, unfortunately, they designated J.B. Wendelkin for assignment. I have been following this, Julio. Did he, didn't he? did someone pick him up? <clears throat> yes, but before we talk about it, Jeffrey Benjamin Wendelkin, 2016-2021, career ERA, 3.62 pitch oh, wow. in 95 good. games. JP, your gift card to Mr. Pickles is all <laughs> I just had Mr. Pickles for the first time in forever last weekend, and I forgot how bomb it is. But yeah, he got picked up by the Diamondbacks, a.k.a. the junior deep or the junior A's. Because over the last <laughs> year, over the last year, they've signed Stephen Vogue, Josh Reddick, who also got DFA'd and nobody yeah, picked up as a free agent, um, Jordan Weems, and now JP Wendelkin. And, uh, and then they signed Joaquin Soria, and now he's in Toronto. But uh, look, somebody was going to pick him up. There was no way he was going to make it back to the minors. Um, I just, I wish it was somewhere where he can be in a contending team, really show us stuff, but maybe playing for a kind of uh, no-pressure situation like Arizona, where they're like the, one of the worst teams in baseball. I think it'll be a better thing for him, especially if he can just go in there and easily slide into that closer role. Because, look, we've seen what he can do. He's a really solid reliever. Just this year, injury issues, and he just didn't have it. And when you have a lot of these arms in the pin that have their roles. A lot of people are kind of saying like, oh, it should have been Birch Smith, but like Birch Smith eats inning, Davies Guerrera eats innings, and everybody else has been pretty rock solid. There just wasn't room for him. Yeah, I was surprised that it was him when I looked at it, but then um, when I saw you tweet that um, about, you know, um, what Birch has done, um, like eating innings and stuff like that, it makes a lot of sense. But to think that he was like 
one of the key members of our bullpen last year in the year in 2019 and to, to this now like is a shock i mean he got dfa there's no way that a, a, a contending team was going to get him if he got dfa that's just it's not possible but um yeah i mean it's yeah, interesting move, but I, I I'm happy with it because of how well Puck has been pitching. So, and I we've been wanting to see AJ Puck for two years now, you know. And for him, if he's a part of, if he's a key me- bullpen member of of a of a playoff team, and he comes in in key moments in the playoffs, like I think I'd rather have him than Wendelkin, to be honest with you. So, you know, it it is what it is. Um, on that note, uh, Nick Allen uh, returns from the um, the Olympics. He will be joining uh, AAA Vegas um, as well as um, Chris Davis, which we covered last week. We all know that. Um, and Julio, you went to your first game in three years. How was it? You're muted. It it was lit. <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah uh the game i heard it i heard it was a snooze until literally the last pitch of the game the game was boring as hell for real but uh hey you know what like coliseum there's a reason why they call it the last dive bar in baseball and it was just such a good time um posted up in bart parking lot tailgate over there just pat modelos quick rundown of the crew we had uh mr tony p nick and shay uh, my good friend, Mr. Lewis Connect, and then rolling up in their other own vehicle, we had Jose, Sierra, Michael Santa Maria, and then our good friend, a uh, former guest on the pod, we got to bring him back sometime, Mason Livingston. And uh, yeah, it, we look, we didn't even go to our seats. We were just at the treehouse the whole time, and we just yeah. had the standing seats. The treehouse is back open. The treehouse is, when that place is open, it's <sighs> fucking smacking. Dude, it, I was like, there was multiple times because, um, like uh tony and nick and trey they weren't really paying attention they're like yo i forgot we're at a baseball game i felt like we were just at a brewery right now and i'm like oh mm-hmm. yeah but also because the game was so boring and that was when mike fonkanevitz just has the A's number but it was great my first game in three years um it was cool just kind of talking shop with random fans um and just telling people spreading the word of the pod so if you're listening to the pod because of me talking to you about it hey i appreciate you man or woman appreciate you were you but doing heavy marketing at, at the game as much as i could not yeah. not too yeah when i was talking to people it's like oh yeah that um it was funny though there was one guy i had an interaction with where i was telling him uh, i was like yeah man this is my first game in oakland in three years he's like you're an ace fan he's trying to be like all the and he's like you're an ace fan you haven't been to a game in three years what kind of fan are you i'm like well I didn't get to go to the home opener two years ago because I was in Japan for the exhibition game for the A's. And he was like, oh, that's fucking tight. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you should be like, well, I'm pretty, pretty, I'm as hardcore as it comes. I went all the way to Japan to watch them play. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, tell him, like, yo, I try to go at least watch them like four or five times a year when they're down here for the Anaheim series. But um, yeah. yeah, it was great. It, the place is a total dump, but it's our dump. So, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I miss the treehouse. I want to go to a game soon and 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 watch game there. There's been many a games there where we just like we buy um, bleacher tickets and we just hang out in the treehouse the entire time. Yeah. And just like especially um, during like college football time when there's just like f- football on all day too, it can be distracting sometimes. Um, but, you just reminded but, yeah. me. Um, the game was while well, we're in the treehouse while uh, the gold medal game is going on for USA basketball. So uh, oh, as soon shit. as the clock expired and the game ended, Lewis and I just got the crowd chanting, USA! <laughs> That's USA! Right. That's right. 
Real uh, quick before we end this. Um, I forgot you were there during the um, USA. Yeah, it was tight. It was lit. And then Draymond Green is talking shit to everyone. Um, Chris Davis, do you think we're going to see him? Is he going to be called up in September? Uh, I'm, I think why not? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. all. That's all. Just out of yeah. your own opinion. I think so too. In the yeah. spot. But. Cool. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Um, we're going to talk about um, some keys. Me and Julio think uh, a few keys uh, to um, continued success um, for the remainder of the season in order to make that final uh, last playoff push, hopefully for the division rather than the wild card. So keys to what the team needs to do in order to um, be successful and get to the playoffs. So stick around and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the A's are on a um, eight game, um, eight of their last ten game, uh, nice little run. Ever since the trade deadline, um, they have been having a plethora of success uh, for all the things that we kind of stated last week when we went over the deadline moves. Bob Melvin is really utilizing the versatility in the lineup. He is playing the matchups a lot more. There's a lot more depth. A lot more reliability, a lot more veteran presence. It's been great. Um, let's see. What do you have? Any stats here, Julio? You do. Uh, well, no, you don't. I but anyway, it doesn't matter. Don't um, have. Oh, they yeah. are they are six and zero ever since um, the news about Ray Fossey, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, they've just been playing really well. I know. I I, I want to say they're eleven and and thirteen since the deadline, which since making those moves, which is really cool. But 11 um, oh one have won 11 of 13 games yeah is that not what i said My yeah oh, okay oh i thought i also for some reason felt the record was 11 and 13 like level wins 13 losses that no i might have said it that way uh, so thank you for clarifying yeah. um but gotcha. the ace play 15 in a row um in this next coming stretch 10 of those games are on the road um very crucial uh we can go through some of the opponents that they're gonna have to face um upcoming there are some pretty big i mean they play texas this weekend but there are some pretty big matchups um the white Sox Sox. are going to be next week then right after that following is the giants and then right after that is a two-game series with seattle then the yankees a little bit of relief with detroit and then it's uh uh the blue jays um and then it's the white Sox again uh but they have a day off there um so it's gonna be a little intense gonna be a little crazy um, these games are crucial right now, especially getting distance between us and Houston. And as we said multiple times on this podcast in the last four or five weeks, we don't really have any more series against the Astros. So we have to take advantage of any streak of wins we can get and hope that they um, don't have success. So, Julio, we are going to pick uh, three things each. That will be the keys to the success for this 15-game run specifically, but also the rest of the season. So, Julio, I'll let you go first. What is your first thing that you think is the most is the oh, thank is, you. is key to the success of us uh, making a solid run in the playoffs? My first key to success: uh, give the old guys the rest, man. Now that you, I like that we one. highlighted this team has a lot of versatility now with bringing in Josh Harrison. Uh, it looks like Chad Pinder will hopefully be having him up uh, within the next, hopefully by at least by the end of the month at the latest. Uh, you got to start giving these old vets some rest. It's Elvis is out there playing short 
almost every single day because we don't really have a true backup Dude, shortstop. No, Julio, it's been every day. He's only had yeah. relief of two innings in the past like two months, and that was when Chapman played shortstop. I think it was like five days ago in a game because they were blowing out um, whoever it was. Yeah, but then um, and then uh, get Jed his days off. Jed's been an absolute madman lately. He got the day off today, so that's great. And the reason you are able to do that is because of those acquisitions you made. And Mitch came in and DH and hit two home runs, so it's fantastic. But I think uh, speaking about those that, guys, just real quick, speaking about that yep. specific Jed um, position at second base, Josh Harrison and Tony Kemp killed it today, so they can handle the load. Josh Harrison had two walks. And Tony Kemp went four for three. So, like, yeah. Four for three? Yeah. Three for four? Three for four, sorry. <laughs> three for four, three for four. My bad, my bad. God damn, Chris, get it together. Read the details. But anyways, I think, yeah, and, and not just them, but also the relievers as well. Romo's been pitching a lot. And don't forget, Sergio Romo's like 38 or uh, in his high up their 30s petite has been a usual horse uh give those guys those days off they deserve it especially during this long stretch i'm hoping with this upcoming texas series where you kind of saw it today where things as soon as things got out of hand for the ace direction they just started bringing in i know piscotti came in for seth brown and they deserve it so my first key is give the old guys some rest keep those legs nice and clean Nice. I like it. Dig it a lot. Good advice. Oh, my turn. Sorry. I blanked there for a second. All right, Chris, what do you got? <clears throat> um, so my key, my main key success is keep playing small ball. Keep hitting the singles. Keep moving guys um, up uh, slow, slow, slow at a time. Because it felt like the first half of the season we would get a guy on first um, or get a guy on second. And get him in somehow get him in scoring position, you know, like a ground, move him up, he's down he's on third, and then we would just ground out and double play or or strike out two times in a row. And they'd be swinging for the fences and it's not working. Like keep playing the small ball, keep move, just moving guys forward, um, getting the singles, getting the getting the doubles when you can. Uh, Chris Martinez actually pointed this out today. So shout out to Chris Martinez, State Farm Agent of Wona Creek. If you need insurance, Chris is there. Um uh, he pointed that out and how like they've been had, having so much success pretty much since Starling Marte came to the team because Starling Marte is a single machine. Um, and just let the guy like run on run on the bases and you know just be patient. Like if he's on third, just get a single. You don't need to fucking whack it out of the park. Just get a single and get the runs on the board. You need to get the runs on the board. That's the most important thing. Um, you don't need to be flashy doing it. Just get them there. And, and, and I think we'll have success because we know that our starting pitching is dominant. We know that they can handle it. So if you give them run support, they will be able – it doesn't matter if it's a lot of run support, but if you put them in a position to win, more than likely this season, knock on wood, we've had success, and they would, they've they been able to get us those wins. So keep playing small ball. I love it. Absolutely. And it was kind of going to – I don't think I'm going to bring this point up anymore because you're kind of nailing on it a little bit too which is a part of the small aspect is just like the aggression on the base paths mm -hmm. that we saw kind of at the beginning of the season where the team was being a little more aggressive with steals and we thought this could be a continued thing and stopped. But now with Marte coming back, you're seeing Chapman being super aggressive on the base path, Canna, uh, Elvis, 
And I think it's a big part of it. It's a, been a huge part of their sex, success yeah. over this last 10 game run. So absolutely agree with you. Um, I also just had a random thought as I'm watching uh, kind of on the side of the Field of Dreams game. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we have more Thursday night baseball on like national broadcast during the summer? Like, what are you going to watch? Where are you going to show? Like, we only have, of- it feels like we only have Sunday night baseball and, and Monday and Tuesday night baseball. And then there's nothing on, there's nothing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. Like, I, that doesn't make sense. I know they, I know Fox, no, ha- Fox has the national TV games all day on Fridays, but like, yeah, it's so dumb. It's, what are you going to, sh- what else are you going to show during the summer, Fox? Are you going to show reruns of The Mass Singer? I mean, but you could put it on. You could put on FS1 or on TBS. Like, use one of your other TV partners to to broadcast a a big game like that. Yeah. My next uh, key is don't be afraid to experiment a little bit. And one of the big things I I want to talk about this and kind of goes back to my previous point of giving the old guys some rest. Chappie's been getting reps at short, and I think that's pretty cool because we don't really have a backup shortstop mm-hmm. with pinder out right now um and kind of so in games adam we'll see what this rangers game is going to be like but now that you have josh harrickson who's somebody that you can rely on consistently playing third um i think you're gonna kind of figure out what you want to do with this lineup okay mm. cool we're gonna put we're gonna put chappy at short today or like i know Jan gomes has played some first in the past before so it's like, hey, you know, we're going to give – I feel like Olsen has not played a game all season long. So it's Julio. Like, let's give Ollie a day off and put Murph at catching, and then Jan can play some first. Or you could put Mitch at first, and Jan can DH. Yeah, or Mitch can DH, and Jan can play first. Like, there's that's the great thing about this lineup right now is you have so many moving pieces. And, uh, and, and a big part – and that's why I'm saying, like, this is the time you should be kind of tooling with this to see what's going to work, especially this upcoming series with the Rangers where ooh, Rangers looking rough post trade deadline, get rid of those guys. Um, so we'll let's see what's going to happen, but then also kind of figuring out like, what do you want this lineup to look like in the postseason as well? I know in the pregame show, Boma was talking about, he was thinking about putting Marte hitting four today. Hmm. And, but he is like, Oh, he's like, Oh, but I like, I like Jed more. That's how, and he was kind of like chuckling about it. But it's like, yeah, dude, do it. This, this is the time you should be experimenting a little bit, especially how great Jed's been hitting. And um, if you kind of want to go into like the more uh, Joe Madden way of thinking with your lineup is the reason you put certain guys at the top of the lineup, even if they're not your speed guys, is because you get them more at bats. You get them more reps throughout yeah. the game. Yeah. So, like, hey, don't be afraid to put – drop Marte a little bit in the lineup. Olsen hasn't been hitting us for much power lately. It's like he was talking about putting, hey, maybe if I put Ollie at two and just give him more reps to maybe get some stuff. This is the time we should do it because I think by the time October rolls around, and if we're going to be there, you can kind of figure out, like, oh, well, we did this lineup one day and it worked really well against the left-handed pitching, so we should roll with it this game, and so on and so forth. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And uh, Marte's had a lot of power lately, too, so you maybe you should capitalize that on a little bit, you know? Um, and it goes back to the small ball, too. Ole hasn't been hitting um, much power lately because, you know, he's been kind of just trying to get the base hit when they need it. I wonder if that's a part of the the new hitting strategy if they've just been like you know what guys we just need to move runners up so let's just do that and we'll be more aggressive on the base path so i don't know all right my second thing is um 
Starters continue to dominate the first six innings. And my God, have they been doing that? They've been doing it more or less all year, but there's been the occasional, you know, fuck up. Um, uh, mostly Frankie Montas. He'll have two good starts and one shitty start. But as Julio continues to remind me, I think you do you think that this like pisses me off? It, it, it puts just a warm feeling to my heart every time you text me another good start by Frankie. <laughs> um, no, I it just I know I, it's not to piss you off. It's just a yeah. like, hey, I think I'm onto something. It's I'm like Anakin in the pod race. It's yeah. working. Yeah, yeah. It, it it literally makes me just a massive smile on my face every single time. Um, Frankie has put together five good starts, and if you guys are regular listeners, listeners to this podcast, you've been hearing me all season. He's been my uh, essential tailgate tool of the week at least five times this season because. I keep saying he's had two good starts. He needs to have one more. He All he does is put two starts together, and then he has a shit one. And every time I do that, he has a shit one. But guess what? Five consecutive good starts. All five of our starters have been fantastic. And the guys who have been filling in um, uh, in, re- in place of them when they're hurt, like uh, Dalton Jeffries when James Caprillion had that minor injury uh, last week, they've been pitching well as, as great as well. So like, this all goes back to the small ball thing. If you can, if the starting pitchers can continue to dominate the first six innings and get some run support, they're gonna be successful. I have faith that they can close the game out. So continue to do that, um, and you know we'll we can rely on we'll get to the bullpen when we get there. But just just dominate the first six innings, really just kill the other team's soul so they have nothing left for the last three innings, so they don't even want to score runs. You know, I actually have that as my top point, and I I kind of glossed over it and forgot to mention it but yeah absolutely look at i think we've had sean didn't have the best stuff on tuesday but then i think there's a pretty consecutive streak of just like quality start where the mm-hmm. guys are going at least six innings every single game and if you don't know for people listening quality start is you're you've pitched at least three innings and you give up less than three runs and uh sean and frankie montas has been doing that every outing since the all-star break oh yeah so He's, he's on he's on a shit right now mm-hmm. and absolutely especially it kind of goes back to my point is give the old dudes rest you don't have to rely on bringing a petite to eat two three innings every other day or you don't have to rely on Sergio Romo to come out there and just throw wiffle balls out there because like these guys are going late in the innings where you don't have to rely on them instead of going two days or every two days you're going every three days and yeah. it's a big difference maker on these guys arms the other day so let, let, Another fantastic, nothing but fantastic ports over here. By the way, let, let that's me, all we do. Let me ask this question: in a in a playoff rotation, who's the fourth starter, and who gets booted to the bullpen? Is it? I, I assume it's between Frankie and Cole Irvin. But who would you who would you boot? That's a personal question. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carson no, Wentz? No, no shit. Personal is, no shit's, No shit. It's a personal question. I'm asking your opinion on the matter. I'd probably go Frankie at the end of the day because same Frankie stuff. His stuff is completely different from everybody else in that rotation. Mm-hmm. There's nobody who can throw as hard as he can. And who's got like his split finger when it's working is just almost nearly unhittable. And you can kind of see it. Yeah. He, that's such a reliable pitch. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I, it's, it'll be interesting how they're going to kind of adjust Cole Irvin rest of season to kind of, if 
they put him in that role. But, you know, you can never go no- wrong with enough lefties out of the <coughs> rotation as well. Bless you. Thank you. All right, your last one. My last one is pick pitch AJ Puck as much as possible. Interesting. Get him in there as often as you can, even if it's for an inning. We saw what he did that today. He pitched on Tuesday night because you got to build those reps back up again for him. Um, initially, Bowmile had said that they were not going to pitch him in close games. It was going to be where it was kind of a lopsided game or if it was going to be there ahead, they were going to throw him in. Um, but Tuesday night, they threw him right back in the fire. And what did he do? One, two, three, throwing consistent heat. And his slider is really working really well. And if you want this guy to be a part of a potential October team, you got to get him in those reps and get him in to, or get him back to pitching to major league level talent, especially against these teams that A's are going to be facing potentially in the playoffs with the White Sox, the Yankees, a team that's a potential World Series contender with the Giants. I can't believe I just said that, but that's the reality of it. There's a really strong ball club that's going to be coming up again. And this guy, I think if he's working, is going to be a huge like cog in the machine of a of a successful playoff run for the A's. So, AJ, get him out there as much as you can. Every two days, even if it's just an inning, every three days, inning. That's the uh, I think that's going to be a very important thing. And plus, converted starter, he can go out there and eat you some innings if when he needs to. Especially like if uh, you know if Petit just went out and pitched two three innings, or Birch Smith, bad Birch alert, just went out there and pitched a couple innings as well. You have another arm, another like lefty as well, which we haven't had a lefty who can pitch for that long for some time. Um, and I think that's going to be a, a big part of this next month and a half of baseball for the Oakland Athletics. I dig it. I dig it hardcore. Um, all right. So my last one is um, just have fun. They th- Those guys look like they're having so much fun playing. No, seriously, they really do. Josh Harrison looks like he's having the most fun he's ever played baseball um, in the – in or the most fun he's played baseball in like the past five seasons, which makes sense because he's on a winning team now. Um, same with Marte, like all those guys, Jan Gomes, all those guys have really clicked with the clubhouse really well. Who, how can you not though? Shamanaya is so lighthearted and so funny, so silly. Um, and he really brings that clubhouse up, uh, which is great. Um, but all those guys do, all those guys have fun. Frankie Montas is a jokester too. Um, but just just enjoy it. When it gets a little too serious, a little too tense, it makes it tougher to to compete. And and uh, uh, I mean, I was gonna say versatility in the lineup, Julia. Honestly, that was my last one. But you uh, you took that, and I don't feel like we need to touch on that anymore. Um, so my last one is just have have some fun and, and enjoy it, and and um, keep it loose. Keep it loose. Absolutely. So um, I was so but okay. So by the time we actually got into the Coliseum. Uh, for the lack of better words, I was feeling saucy. and uh, <laughs> Too many Modellos in the bar parking lot? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Josh Harrison comes up and his walk-up song just slaps me in the face with funk, man. And yeah. I'm like, this is – so I, I'm going to give a plug to his walk-up song because as soon as like it just kicked, I'm like, I need to know what song this is right now. So the song is uh, – before I Let Go by Maze and Frankie Beverly. Hmm. Absolute flames. He fits right in with Oakland. 
it, like it, the guy was already kind of exuberating like what it means to be an Oakland athletic. You know, he's got his chain. He's got the beard. Yeah. He's just very versatile, very scrappy kind of dude. And then he walks up to that song. I'm like, dude, I want you here forever. Yeah. Ever le- Please don't ever leave me. And it's, it's great. It's like you just when you're having fun, that's when you win. When you keep things lighthearted, look at the Rays with like guys like Brett Phillips, who like he looks, he just looks like a little kid who who just is chasing after the ice cream truck. Yeah, every yeah, time yeah. he runs on the field, because it's electrifying, happiness and fun is contagious, and not just in baseball. And it's more fun to watch. It's more fun to watch these guys play baseball when they're having fun doing it. Did you see the clip of like? Um, Jed and 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 Chappie had like a handshake in the dugout, but Chappie's face is like, like yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, it looks like he's about to shit bricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw you so, tweet yeah. about that too. Yeah, it's turbo time. Yeah. Um. All right. No, you can't interrupt the turbo time. You're not a part of the turbo team. Okay. All right. There goes more uh, references that completely go over my head. And Julio. I think you should leave. You don't know. Oh yeah, but you said uh, that was. Oh, that's right. But that was season two, right? That's not. It's the first season. Oh. Has that ever happened to you? When the two guys go in there and they just go back and forth making mud pies in the toilet. Oh yes, yes. Yes. And then they and then they get rid of your toilet and then they (laughs) only have the toilet that's only for farts. Does that ever happen to you? Doesn't he remind you of Corey McLaughlin? No, not at all. Tim like Robinson. When Corey just, no. Corey, yeah, but when Corey would just like, oh, I just so. No. Or like Tim Robinson no. will do that. Absolutely. No, like, I promise. I think so. Okay. Tony and I were talking. We think so. But anyway, okay. upcoming schedule. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Uh, yeah, upcoming schedule. So as we said earlier, we have uh, a series this weekend um, with uh, the Texas Rangers, um, and then next week against uh, it's a four game series Monday through Thursday against the Chicago White Sox. Julio, who is your player of the week? I'm going to downtown Seth Brown. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Brownie, um, you know I've been kind of dismissive about at times but i think he's really coming around um he he's hit in this last week he's hit two home runs he's hit um two home runs two singles two rbis a steal a walk five k's um i have that exact number in front look of me, but the, the man is there when you need him Simple yeah because you know why because brown delivers yeah brown delivers and uh i i think if he can kind of continue to play this kind of ball so let me get the exact number in front of me he only had 15 at bats mm. uh, but he had 266 in the last week and he, he hit two uh, back-to-back games with home runs i think he has 15 home runs on the season so it's like yeah he's dude, got a lot this guy this is a guy who has been up and down throughout the season he hasn't been an everyday guy and there's a really good chance by the end of the season he's still going to hit 20 home runs, mm-hmm. and that's freaking fantastic. You're going to take that, and he's he's getting a part of the steal party. He's being a little more aggressive on the bases. I don't know how long this is going to continue with him being a potential everyday guy as the more call ups start happening as Pinder comes back. But you know you got to ride the wave, man. That's the motto of the team. So Seth Brown, dude, keep killing it. The thing with with him, the first half of the season, he was like the regular fourth outfielder. Was that his his home runs would come at like non convenient times when they're up by five runs and like or something like that. And then when you need a big at bat, they're down by two runs and it's 
the seventh inning, he like strikes out with a man on third. Like, but he's playing a lot better. He's taking advantage of these opportunities in games where we need him to. So I'll get so solid pick. So mine is Starling Marte. Julio. It's a Marte Parte. Guess how many hits Starling Marte has had in the past seven games? Nine. No, you are low. Fourteen. Are you fucking kidding me? A dead ass. Thirty-three at bats. Four- he has fourteen hits. He's hitting in seven games. He's hitting four twenty-two right now. Oh my god, that's insane, bro! Right? So he's scored six runs. He's brought in eight. He's only struck out six times. The dude is fucking killing it. So I, I'm at least I'm kind of shocked that you didn't pick him because I was I was hoping you wouldn't so I could. But like he has been absolutely fucking killing, it. and he has a home run, obviously. Um. Also, that dude really fills out his jersey. That is a man. He is fucking yoked. It's insane. So I was wondering that because like I don't know if he just wears it a little bit tighter or something because like. I think you know, he's just really like, cut. I think he's just really cut. You know, he's not like yeah, big like we, me. He's like he's just like he's got he's thin and he's just muscular, low key flex. But okay, but uh, but like you look at like John Carlos Stan, and you're like that dude's massive. Yeah. And like Aaron Judge, like that dude's massive, and he's just like he's just built, man. Like he's like he's he's built like Ricky, whereas like Ricky was like this all <clears throat> high school or like all state running back when he was in high school. And like so, he just and he always just kind of carry that physique with him. So yeah. So Starling is six one one ninety five. So he's just, he's like damn. He's so he's lean as shit. Yeah, he's just super lean. Yeah. Wow. Uh, cool. All right. So last week's essential tailgate tool of the week. Uh, mine was Jed Lowry. He was three for sixteen, five runs, uh, a single, double, home run, seven RBIs. Three for sixteen. That can't be right. It feels like he fucking has been crushing it this past week. I mean, yeah, but I, um, I think that was more so just against Cleveland, where oh, that yeah. he was just kind of like mowing them down. That's probably. Um, but on. yeah, it's either way. Wow, I'm fact checking. Like, I'm so, fact checking this real quick. Three hits on 16 at bats, but he still brought in seven, seven RBIs. That's productive. He has four, shit. four hits on. Oh no, that's three hits. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll take it. Uh, Julio, yours was um, Sean Murphy. Five for fifteen, three runs, um, five RBIs. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. I would say that's very successful. Um, that's a three thirty-three batting average. So um, it's uh, it's got to be the rest, right? You think he's had more success at the plate because the rest? Yeah, absolutely. They were talking about it on the broadcast today. Just like yeah. that's kind of the effect, and <clears throat> I think it also Murph is from Ohio. I think there was something, and mm. so was Seabass. So I think there was something a little extra to, you know, the last series against the Cleveland Indians ever, and um, you know they wanted to bring their best out there. He had a, a nice double today, brought in a couple runs, um, but just not I it not having to rely on such a load so much behind the play and at the bat. And then also just Jan Gomes' presence of just that education of kind of learning from that kind of guy, I think has been super pivotal for Murph. Julio, who is your essential tailgate tool of the week? I'm going to focus on my guy, Mark Canna, uh, my essential tailgate tool of the week. He <clears throat> hasn't been as I, – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just from watching the games, I feel like he hasn't been as – 
offensive as he has been throughout the season. He's kind of a little bit of a slump. He's still being every single at bat is still pretty productive, but he hasn't been there um, to kind of be like the quintessential leadoff guy to get some singles or whatever. I, I think he's a little bit of a home run drat as well. So hopefully this is the next week, some time to clear it up. I think playing in Texas and going against a pretty you know, minor league squad, for the lack of better words, is going to be helping this whole team as a whole. But Canna, leadoff guy, you're my man, my tool, tailgate tool of the week. Uh, mine is going to be Elvis Andrews. Um, I think that this stretch is going to be very important for him, especially because he's going to have to play a lot. I'm hoping that Chapman can give him some rest at the end of games a little bit more. Um, but he's been hitting really well lately. I've been really impressed. Um, 234 on the season, which is, again, folks, we have to remember that he started off the season over 20 something. What was it? Who like over 20, 24 or something like that? It was pretty bad. So he, it's a ba- steep he didn't get decline. above 200 until like June. Yeah. And the big thing with him is the leadership in the clubhouse. Like, that's so important, especially with Ramon gone. Ramon was kind of like, if you ask a lot of like beat writers and stuff like that, he was kind of like the de facto leader of the team, especially with Marcus out. He really stepped up and he did last year in the playoffs. Um, and with with Ramon net that not there, he's not even allowed to be in the clubhouse. Like uh, his veteran leadership is so important. So and leading by example is the best way to do that. And we all we all know he's had like this major impact on the young guys in the clubhouse. Everybody loves him. Um, so mine's gonna be Elvis. Did you see Andrews. the highlight today where it was like a little dribbler over to the left side of the infield and Chappie ran up and got it. And Elvis was also, like, kind of ran up because they think it was going to come to him. But, like, <laughs> Chappie just kept – they were just doing, like, a lot of Elvis Beltre shit where he just kind of kept going mm-hmm. into motion and still pretending he was throwing it first. <clears throat> so, like, it's just, like, little things like that. And, like, at the end of the day, he's been there. He's been to world yeah. – he's, multi- he's been in multiple World Series, yeah. multi-time All-Star. He knows what it takes. He kind of sees it. And even last night, I don't know if you saw the post game. Um, where uh, uh, Brody and da- and uh, Dontrell were talking with them, and Dontrell straight up told me, "He's like, hey man, I've been on a World Series team. You've been on a World Series team. I see a lot of those characteristics on this. Like, do you think this is a team?" And Elvis was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Absolutely." He's like, "I think they're yeah." He's like, "You know, we're not even offensively there yet." He's like, "I'm still trying to figure out my own thing. There's a couple guys are still trying to get together, but it's like I think we have the talent, we have the depth." Like, I think this is a team that we can, we're a World Series contender. So it's like, yo, shout out to Dontrell for even asking that question because, like, some people would be kind of, you know, tiptoe. Dude, that's why I love D Train on those post game shows. He's been really good. I'm glad that he's kind of like the number one, like, um, studio analyst. Um, no, and honestly, like the biggest thing with with World Series with with championship teams and and champ- or World Series like contending teams is the pitching is always like they have to improve the pitching, but our pitching is there. As if our offense can get there, like I think we'll be okay. All right, folks, we're introducing a new segment because uh, I've been really do- into doing polls on our Twitter, and uh, uh, they've had a lot of success. You guys are really like uh, really have cling to them, and we get a lot of reactions. So. We're gonna do a new segment every week. We're gonna end the, the show with updating the polls. So this is updating this past week's polls. Alright. Will Marte end up being the best deadline acquisition the A's have made in the past ten years? Eighty nine percent of the audience, Julio, say yes. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
Should Julio wear a Team USA gear to this Friday's game? Split in half, 50-50. 50% of the audience say yes, and 50% of the audience say no. Well, he didn't end up doing that. So. And the U.S. still won, so suck it, Chris. <laughs> Should the A's win it all this year for Ray Fossey? 78% of the audience say, duh. I'm scrolling up here. Here we go. Got a lot of posts from Julio. All right. Does Julio hate America? 71% of the audience say yes. Oh. I... <laughs> All right. How should the A's handle the corner outfield? 84% of the audience say Canna in right field, Harrison in left field. Interesting. It's kind of been how it's been. It's kind of how it's been. So yeah, yeah. Sense. Well, with Brownies playing more this past couple days, too. So yeah. Maybe giving those guys rest. Canna could probably use some rest. He's been playing nonstop since he came back. All right, scrolling up here. What is the best division in the American League? 60% of the audience say the AL East. Yeah, that was a joke question. That was just you trying. <laughs> and, then Julio, and then Julio, that's just me trying to bait the four trains. Uh, Look, it's, <laughs> um, it's too easy. It's too easy for them. Uh, and Julio, Julio commented, whoever voted for a, for the Central, show yourself. Because there was only one. They have White Sox are the only uh, team over 500 in that division right now. Like, yeah, it's yeah, come on. it's pretty sad. Hold on, I have to scroll up here anyway. You you post a lot of things during the game, so just gotta find the pull. Here we go. Should the third member of the broadcast booth? Who should the third member of the bod? Bo- bo- who should the third member of the broadcast booth be now that Fossey is gone? Fifty-two percent of the audience say D Train. Thirty-seven percent said it should just stay Glenn and Dallas, but yeah. All right, scrolling up here. Where are you at? Ooh, Elvis. Tie game again. Remember that tweet? That was a good tweet. All right, a lot of ball game. Play the song. Let's Follow see. us on Twitter if you're not already. I'm sure you all are, but. <laughs> uh, almost there, almost there. Let's see. For future reference, reference, what you should do is when the poll ends. That's it. Those are, hey, and those were the polls. For future reference, when you the poll ends because you get notifications, just open <clears> up the results and screenshot them. That way we can be like. But it's more fun. It's more funny and fun to yeah, do it this way. Dead air. So, thanks for listening, folks. We appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Town Tailgate. If you have a question, comment, or concern from us, um, you can email us at TownTailgatePodcast at gmail.com. Um, that's Julio. I'm Chris. Last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland. We love you, Fossey. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. 
And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland. Thank you.